You know, our lives are a lot like a cup. You go, well, what are you talking about, Pastor Matt? I mean, I'm not an inanimate object. I have feelings and I can walk and talk. And what's this cup do? Well, cup was made to be filled with something. In a similar way, we are vessels that can be filled with all kinds of things in our lives. Um, now what happens, I'm not going to do it, but I, I want to, but if I were to spill this cup, what comes out of this cup? Air? What was in it? Oh my, yes. So thankfully this is filled with water and it's good. It's nice. Uh, I thought about bringing some oil and spilling it and then I was like, uh, I don't want to clean this up. But what we fill our lives with, what we put into our minds, what we believe, is what comes out. So when we, when we think of the gospel, the good news, we picture our, our lives born with a cup full of sin and filth. And by faith in Jesus and his blood shed on the cross, Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But not only does he cleanse us, he promises to fill our lives with himself. He gives us his spirit so that he might live in us. But even so, today we, we must ask the question, what am I filling my life with? What am I putting into my life? What is coming out? In Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 14 to 21. And Paul prays a prayer that God's Spirit would strengthen us to know Christ's love so deeply that we would be filled up more fully with his presence. He prays that the Spirit of God would strengthen us to know Christ's love so deeply that we would be filled up more fully with his presence. Only God can truly fill up your life with something that is good, that is meaningful. And the wonderful thing is that every day we can ask and we should ask that God would strengthen us to know his love more and to be filled with more of him, his love, his grace, his kindness. Let's read Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason... I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your 
hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. With the words, for this reason, um, they mark the return of Paul's thought. Back in chapter 3, verse 1, he began to say, for this reason I, Paul, and he went on to kind of go on a bit of a tangent and speak of his ministry to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. But Paul has not forgotten what he was going to pray about. In fact, the whole of chapters 2, 11 to 21, and then on through that tangent to 3.13, really enhance and, and are the reason why Paul is praying. He has been reminding us that we who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are one new family in him. And now he comes before God for that very reason with a request for the strengthening of God's people. The people that he is building up together. And Paul's request, um, oh, actually, he addresses God. He addresses him as the father of every family. This is a title that emphasizes God as the creator, as the one who names and gives significance to human beings. And again, it really reminds us when we think of the context of his plan to bring one family to himself out of many families. So we come to his request in verses 16 to 19. And he prays in verse 16 that you may be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. In verse 18, that you may be strengthened to grasp and to know Christ's love. In verse 19, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Each of these statements begins with the same Greek word that we translate that. Um, it just reminds us of the connectedness of each one. They build upon one another and are each important parts of, of Paul's prayer. So in verse 16, Paul prays that we would be strengthened with power by the Spirit. You know, this, this request is not some extra for super religious people. You and I need the strengthening of the Spirit in our innermost being. Why is that? 
because we are weak and finite vessels by nature. And without the enabling of the, the Spirit, we will not be able to know and experience God at all. We will not be able to experience Him and know Him and His love in greater ways. Paul's prayer is a little bit like a boy, the boy who fell into a barrel of molasses, and you know he realized what a great opportunity he had, and but I can't, he couldn't eat the whole barrel, so he prays, Lord, make my capacity equal to this opportunity. We have a little bit of a better opportunity as God's children. Than, than just to eat a barrel of molasses. An opportunity to walk with and to know the Lord God. And that's not the kind of opportunity to pass by, to say, well, I'm saved, but not to pursue, to continue to know and to love and to grow in that knowledge. Hence the need for God's Spirit to give us the ability to know his love, to experience his presence in, in greater and greater ways. We can go about it in many of the wrong ways where we want this experience or something and we're trying to gain God by our actions. We need to be obedient. We need to be seeking him. We need to be asking the spirit of God to enable us. Because it is him who does the work in us. And the Christian life is not a static thing. There is so much more to know of God. I love the picture in 2 Corinthians 3.18 where in the old covenant of Moses beheld the Lord and had a veiled face. So that the people came down from the mountain, they saw the glory of God, but it was too bright, so they had to veil he had the veil over his face. But we all with unveiled faces behold the, the glory and the love of Christ and are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. There is so much more for us. In Christ, may we seek to know him. And Paul prays for strength according to God's wealth of glory. We might use this terminology. We, we sometimes talk about giving according to or in proportion to what we have. Let's think about that. How much do we have? How much does the Lord he has more glory and power and wisdom than anyone or anything. Which makes his glory a wonderful thing to appeal to in prayer. Wonderful because God does not, uh, does give rather. He does give in accordance with the great wealth that he has to his children. He is a father who delights to give good gifts, not a Scrooge who won't part with a single penny. And so the greatness of his glory is something 
for us to marvel at. And it is a reminder that God gives in accordance with all that he has. So why are we happy with that little penny? You know, when we can know so much more of God. You want to be strengthened that you may be filled with more of God? Ask. Because he gives abundantly from the wealth of his glory. And he gives it through the Spirit. I want to I can say, only say it, can't say this, can't say it too many times. That it is through the Spirit. You cannot strengthen yourself. There is no one who can strengthen you or fill you up but God. Only his spirit gives us the ability to experience more of him. Paul goes on in verse 17 to say that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The empowering of the spirit and the presence of Christ are intertwined. Can't really get one without the other. It's dangerous to separate the work of the Spirit and the work of Christ. They go together, and, and theologians and commentators can debate about the specifics of what that looks like, and there is a lot of debate. But I want to remind you that God is one. It's not God the Spirit's doing this, and God the Christ is doing this, and they're working together and uh, that we might be more indwelt by Christ through faith is a prayer that Paul prays. Uh, when, when Paul speaks of Christ dwelling in us, it's important to recognize something. The clear testimony of the scripture is that the believer in Christ will be saved and along with that come the, the sure and guaranteed promises of Christ in you, Colossians 3, verse 6, Galatians 2, 20, that um, Christ is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. John 14, 23 tells us that we, that is the Father and the Son, will dwell, make our home or dwell with you. And so we know that Christ lives in us, those who believe. This request, as far as it seems to me, um, in my imperfect knowledge, is not so much about Christ entering in here that he's talking about. He's talking to those who believe. As it is for our relationship to be a, a, one of that is a, an abiding relationship one of continued growth where Christ so indwells us that we deeply delight in his presence and we submit to his rule. Where we are surrendered to him and delighting in him. The text goes on 
end of verse 17, to say that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. The Greek words rooted and grounded indicate something that has been done, it's already accomplished, that has continuing effects today. So Paul is speaking of the Christian's new nature, that we are born again, rooted and grounded in love. That verb rooted obviously takes us into the plant world and uh, grounded is an architectural term referring to the foundation on which we build. And so that foundation, those roots have been laid into gospel in Christ. One of the most important questions, um, this Warren B. Wearsby words it this way, he says one of the most important questions a Christian can ask himself is, from what do I draw my nourishment and stability? You look at your life, from what do I draw my nourishment and stability? Or to rephrase his question, what are you looking to to fill you up, to satisfy you? Because out of the roots, out of what is Within our heart, we speak and act. Now, from these roots, Paul prays for growth. And he asks that we might grasp hold of and know the love of Christ. Verse 18 speaks of the breadth and length and height and depth. To know the love of Christ. This text, it brings to mind quite often the hymn called The Love of God. And, and part of the lyrics of that hymn read, Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints' and angels' song. Words can't describe it in this song tries to get that across to us, that it's, it's beyond what we can express in a few moments. But I think it is helpful to, to look at a few truths from Scripture about the love of God. So I want to read a couple of Scriptures. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And whatever your exact theological views are, I think it's 
fair to say that the love of God is wide enough to reach the whole world. First Corinthians 13.8 tells us love never ends. Do you think about how the love of God is long enough to last for eternity? That it never runs dry? Oh, last drop. No more love for you. It's last, it lasts forever. Love never ends. First John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 speak of the love of God and talks of the hope of one day being with him and being like him. In Ephesians 2, we read about how we were dead, but Christ has made us alive and seated us in the heavenly places. The love of God is high enough to take a sinner to heaven, to dwell with God. And it is deep enough to reach the vilest of sinners. No matter where we are, how far from God. For Christ died for his enemies, even while we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We think about these things, I hope that it helps us to consider the love of God. You know, I, I said that it's the Spirit of God who does the work in us, but if we never consider the love of God, we're, we're setting ourselves up for we don't really care or want it. Love of God is something which we ought to consider daily in some form or another. Because the paradox of all of this is that Paul prays we might know a love beyond knowing that surpasses knowledge. Can't grasp it just by our intellect. The more that we know in many ways, the less that we know or the more there is to know would be a better way of saying it. And Jonathan Edwards, during the time of the Second Great Awakening in America, wrote these words. He said, we find people exercise their affections in everything but religion. When it comes to their worldly interests, they have a warm affection and ardent zeal in their hearts. But how insensible and unmoved are most about the great things of another world. How dull their affections. Here their love is cold, their desires flat, their zeal low. How can they, how can I, sit and hear of the infinite height and depth and breadth and length of the love of God in Christ Jesus, of His gift of His infinitely dear Son, and yet be so insensible and regardless. These are convicting words. 
It remind us our affections matter greatly. And it doesn't take long when we take a look at our lives to, to see that our affections often lie elsewhere. And we devote ourselves to all kinds of lesser loves rather than to knowing the love of God, of God that we will never come to an end of, we will never exhaust. Paul prays that we would not remain unmoved, that we would grasp the vastness of God's love. And, and may that be our prayer. Is that my prayer? Is that your prayer? You know, this is an encouraging thing about this. And that is that Paul doesn't pray for us to do this by ourselves, actually. I never noticed that reading this before, but he prays for us to have the strength to do this together with all the saints. We, we didn't sign on to this uh, me and Jesus kind of relationship. Christianity is Christ and his church, the bride and the bridegroom. A better and a fuller understanding of God's love happens in community. Where we talk about the love of God together and share what he is teaching us. Where we look at the word and what does it say about the love of God. And we serve one another in love. Sometimes it means being humble enough to accept the love and service of another. It's not an individual effort. We have one another to encourage and to remind and convict. And that is a wonderful thing. Next, Paul prays that we might be full of God's fullness. You know, the ultimate goal of your life is not to be filled up with the things of this world that we might be filled up with the fullness of God. To be filled up with the fullness of God could in some ways be likened to filling a cup in the ocean. If I dip this cup in the ocean, it is very easily filled to the brim with the fullness of the ocean. <laughs> the ocean just sweeps over it and fills it in like less than a second. But this cup does not, would not contain the, the whole ocean, would it? And so it is with Christ and the church. As Jesus is infinite, he is indeed the fullness of deity. Ephesians 1.23 teaches that he is the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so when one of us as a finite creature dips our little, the little cup that is our life in him, we are full of his fullness. God lives in us. And as we continue to experience, to know Christ through his word, 
And by the Spirit of God, we experience more of His presence and His power in our lives. Now, like a cup, it doesn't hold very much, right? We don't hold the law in one sense. We are finite people. God is infinitely beyond. And now, I don't know, I feel like I might be losing some of you. I myself look at this and go, it's hard to grasp the fullness of God. And how does that work in filling my life and being a part of me and and, and present? And this is not something that we will understand fully. This is why we pray that we might know more of God and, and come to a deeper understanding of these things. To put it simply, Paul is praying that we might be as full as we can be of Christ and that God would enable us to experience more of himself. Paul ends with praise and doxology to the God who's able to do exceedingly infinitely beyond all that we pray or think. My brain cannot pray or think in these ways very easily. Perhaps the most amazing thing, though, to me is not that God's power is beyond what we would expect. We can sort of acknowledge, oh, God's power is greater and just and, and loud and not really think about what it means. But the m- amazing thing is that same power is at work in us. It doesn't say, oh, he might work or one day, but that he is at work in us. Just to think about that for a, a moment. God isn't just able to work, but he is at work. Praise God. Paul's prayer is in some ways it's a checkpoint for us, a standard of what what matters a reorientation of the things that above, the things that truly matter. This is an opportunity to ask, is is my desire for myself, is my desire for other people that they would be enabled to know God's love, enabled to know more of Him, be filled by Him, And it's a time to consider, what am I allowing to fill up my life? What spills over when life bumps you? Now, if you're like me, you look at this and you go, I'm so far away. You may feel far from God. Like, I'm trying, I'm doing this, I'm, I'm thinking about the love of God, I'm, I may be praying. I don't feel filled up by God. 
Paul points us to the one who can help. And that is the Lord God. We need him in order to know Christ's love and to be filled up that he would be what spills over in our lives. You may not be able to change yourself, but he can. And so, though there are many practical things I could say and I think are, need to be thought about and, 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 and discussed, it comes down to crying out to your Father in heaven. Praying for God to be the one that fills you up. And yes, identifying those wrong affections and confessing them. Asking God to change our desires. So that we wouldn't keep going to the world to, to, to keep filling us. John Chrysostom was an, an old preacher many years ago. And I don't mean like 50, I mean like hundreds, thousand years ago or more. Um, he said, heat makes all things expand. And the warmth of love will always expand a person's heart. So consider the love of Christ. Consider it when you think about the incarnation that God came to dwell among men. That he not just came to, to dwell and to live, but to die on the cross. And ask God to know more of his love and, and he will work. He will grow your understanding and your capacity to, to live for Him, to love Him. Praise God that He is able and that He's working in the lives of His children. Your cup can be filled to the brim and overflowing with Christ. And I know that so many times that is not our experience. But the beauty is that like Paul, every day we can ask God to strengthen us, to know his love, to be filled up with him. Amen.